Ed Peters and I welcome you to What's New. We continue on today with our introduction to the Gospel of Matthew. As was noted on our previous study, the primary focus of Matthew's writing was to the nation Israel. Throughout the Old Testament writings, God prepared the nation of Israel for the coming of Christ into the world, and he did come of this nation as the Lord Jesus himself said in John 4.22, salvation is of the Jews. That's what makes Matthew such a key book to the Bible. It swings back into the Old Testament and gathers up more Old Testament prophecies than any other book. But it also moves further into the New Testament than any of the other Gospels. For example, no other Gospel writer mentions the church by name. But Matthew does. He is the one that relates the word of our Lord in verse 18 of chapter 16. Upon this rock will I build my church. His purpose throughout this gospel is to show his readers that Jesus Christ was indeed the one that fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. He was indeed Israel's promised Messiah. There were some radical changes that took place in the internal life of the nation of Judah during the intertestamental period. There arose uh, among these people a group of parties which are mentioned in the New Testament but are never heard of in the Old Testament, such as the Pharisees. They were the dominant party. Their purpose was to defend the Jewish way of life against all foreign influence. They were strict legalists who believed in the Old Testament. They were nationalists in politics and wanted to restore the kingdom to the line of David. Then there were the Sadducees who were made up of the wealthy and the socially minded who wanted to get rid of tradition. This group was liberal in their theology and they rejected the supernatural. The Sadducees were closely akin to the Greek Epicureans whose philosophy was eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Then there were the scribes. This was a group of professional expounders of the law stemming back from the days of Ezra. They became the hair splitters. They were more concerned with the letter of the law than with the spirit of the law. The scribes were more concerned with just wanting the information and knowledge from the scripture than allowing the word of God to become a part of their lives. Finally, there was a group known as the Herodians. This party began in the days of Jesus, and they were strictly political opportunists. They sought to maintain the Herods on the throne because they wanted their party in power.
now here to bring us today's study is Pastor Henry Harder. Yesterday I began a look at the Gospel of Matthew. I focused on the reason for the similarities of the first three Gospels, but also one reason for the differences, namely the distinctive purpose of each writer. Matthew wrote first of all to persuade his people, the Jews, that Jesus really was the promised Messiah, the one whom their prophets had foretold, the Anointed One. That was his primary purpose. He wanted his nation to know the Messiah as he had come to know him. So he marshals argument after argument to convince his people of the royalty of Jesus. He was of David's line. He was indeed the promised king. The very first words this disciple wrote were, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Why should he mention David before Abraham? Evidently because he wanted to identify Jesus with the royal line, the line of kings. In fact, the term son of David is used more by Matthew than by any other gospel writer. Furthermore, it is Matthew who presents the story of the wise men who are looking for a king. And it is Matthew who recounts the drama of the presentation of Jesus as king at the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the capital of the king. Again, before Pilate, Jesus accepted the title of king. And on the cross was the superscription, Jesus the King of the Jews. It seems clearly Matthew's primary purpose to present Jesus as the promised royal Messiah of Israel to the Jews. While that wasn't the author's only purpose, we will fail to understand the message of Matthew unless we look at it with the author's primary focus in mind. I need to say that Matthew's purpose for writing is still valid. It still speaks to Matthew's people, Israel. Now, Matthew also notes that Jesus was the son or descendant of Abraham. Abraham, as the father of the nation of Israel through Jacob, was the one to whom God first gave the covenant promises. While those promises related to Israel, they also included the Gentile nations. All nations would be blessed. Here again is seen the twofold purpose of Matthew. First, to convince Israel that Jesus was and is the promised Christ. And second, to present the same Christ as the Savior of the world. I need to mention two other points before I come to the message of the book itself. First, although it is nowhere mentioned in the book, I believe that its author was none other than the disciple called Matthew. Many early church leaders named Matthew as the author. While tradition isn't always correct, when it is such strong tradition and so extensive, then it might well be right. Although there is some debate about this matter, I believe it's likely that Matthew wrote in the Greek language rather than Hebrew or Aramaic. He wrote this gospel some time after the crucifixion but before the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. 
since there exists a strong tradition in the early church that Matthew's was the first written gospel, a date of around 50 A.D. or 55 A.D., for writing must be close. Now I come to the first words Matthew wrote. Chapter 1, verse 1 reads, A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew doesn't go back farther than Abraham because he was the father of the nation. Since Matthew wrote first of all for the Jews, why go beyond Abraham? I can imagine Matthew speaking to his people and trying to persuade them of the authenticity of Jesus' claims to royalty. That the Jews would have to ask, can Jesus' lineage be traced back to the royal line of the Hebrew kings? Otherwise, he could not be the Messiah. So Matthew begins his account of Jesus Christ by giving his genealogy or his origins. While there are some problems with Matthew's list, Matthew gives the lineage of Jesus through his legal, although not biological, father Joseph. So the legal genealogy of Jesus is traced through Solomon right back to David. This placed Jesus in the royal line of David, and therefore he had a legal right to the throne of David. Luke makes it clear that Jesus was also a physical descendant of David through another son called Nathan. Another interesting feature of Matthew is that he includes four women in the genealogy of Jesus. There is Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. Why did Matthew include these? Each one of them was, to say the least, questionable. Tamar and Rahab were prostitutes. Ruth, a Moabitess, a foreigner. And Bathsheba was an adulteress. Perhaps God included these women in order to emphasize his grace. Man didn't deserve Jesus, the Savior and King. God in grace gave him. One final observation today. In verse 16, Mary is mentioned. The words are, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. The word of whom is feminine, referring to Mary, not to Joseph. Matthew is careful to indicate that Jesus was the biological son of Mary, but that Joseph was not his biological father. Jesus was miraculously conceived and born of a virgin. That is what this gospel writer now focuses on next. This is absolutely crucial to Christianity and to the gospel. There is an appropriate place for a Christmas song here. And here are the renewal singers with We've Got Good News to Tell. We've got good news to tell. Glory, glory, hallelujah. We've got good news to tell. Glory, glory, hallelujah. We've got good news to tell. Everybody listen well. For this tiny baby who's born today is going to change the world. We've got good news. Good news, we've got good news. Yes, we've got good news. Good news, we've got good news. We've got some stars shining high in the sky. Lighting 
up the heavens, what a glorious sight. Then all at once there were angels all around, and the night was filled with a joyous sound. We've got good news to tell. Glory, glory, hallelujah. We've got good news to tell. Glory, glory, hallelujah. We've got good news to tell. Everybody listen well. For this tiny baby who's born today is going to change the world. Yes, we've got good news. Good news. We've got good news. We've got good news. From the fields and the hills far away. Just to see the baby asleep on the hay. They were filled with joy when they saw the tiny king. And they all went out with a song to sing. We've got good news to tell. We've got good news to tell. Glory, glory, hallelujah. We've got good news to tell. Everybody listen well. For this tiny baby who's born today is going to change the world. We've got good news to tell. Glory, glory, hallelujah. We've got good news to tell. Glory, glory, hallelujah. We've got good news to tell. Everybody listen well. For this tiny baby born today will change. What's new is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 840H, after California, 93263, USA.